Hey, Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, the Miniatures Gaming Podcast. So lately when we've been talking, you've been saying you've been building a cube for magic. Do you think most people even know what a cube is, or is it something kind of like esoteric? Um, it's probably a bit esoteric. Mm-hmm. It's basically Magic the Gathering is the biggest trading card game in the world, I think. Rivaling, well, that it's at least top three. Um, and uh, there are so many sets over its 25 or is it almost 30 year history? Or is it even past 30 years? No, no, no. I think it's 1992 or 91. So it's almost 30 year history. Um, and so the problem with playing is that there's so many cards out there. So what a cube is, is um, basically creating your own set of cards to use, to build and play decks with um, from any cards over the history. So you choose which cards you want to put into this set. And then basically use this cube to play a format in Magic called Draft, where you basically, it's like you open packs with with a bunch of friends, and then you draft cards from those packs to create a deck, and then you play them immediately. Mm -hmm. That's a cube. So it's not quite like having your whole army collection and then getting to choose what you want out of it. You're basically competing with your friends to get the cards out of it in in one game. Yes. Or or you play a couple games when you have a cube, do you not? Uh, yeah, usually. So basically the draft format in general, like the, the perfect ideal draft format is, uh, eight people, Mm -hmm. uh, three packs of 15 each, and you build a 40 card deck and then you play three rounds. So you have one winner, right? Cause an eight person is perfect for, um, what do you call that? Pyramid went, uh, pyramid tournament. Yep. I don't know what you call that. What do you call bracket tournament? Is that called? Sounds right. Yeah. Yep. So that's basically the ideal format. Okay, so it's not quite the same though as the topic we want to talk about today, which is deck building <laughs> versus army building. It's it's got similarities. Yes. Um, yeah. So the biggest thing is it's a segue into deck building and talking about card games. And what do you do in card games? What's the big fun? Deck building. Yeah, the whole you have the whole theory of like constructing your. It's basically a list, like you'd have in mm-hmm. wargaming. That's just made out of cards. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, and I guess the big difference between a card game and a miniature game is in a miniature game, you've kind of got your army list. And I can't think of a game off the top of my head where you sometimes things are forced into reserves in miniatures games, but often you're just bringing your whole list. Whereas, whereas in a card game, you're virtually always just drawing something random and then hoping you get the, the cards that are going to make you win at that point. Yeah, so I think the the biggest thing, like obviously the gameplay from a miniatures game and card games can be vastly different, obviously depending on the type of card game, right? And the type of miniatures game. But I think the gameplay is can is is, is significantly different. But when we think about it, and the why this kind of piqued my interest is basically, like you said, I've been getting back into be uh Min, uh, sorry, not miniatures, uh, card games because I'm stuck at home, right? But I can't really play card games because I don't like playing online. So I, I basically can't, <laughs> I can't play card games either. But mm-hmm. what I can do is do the collecting portion and then the deck building portion. And so when I was thinking about it, right? So I would collect, I've been collecting a bunch of cards and I've also been cracking just like normal packs, right? So these are trading card games. So I buy them and I crack them open and I look at them and then I build decks with them, right? 
-hmm. And I was thinking like the joy of building a deck is very, very similar to uh, the building of an army in miniatures games. And it scratches, I found that it scratched the same itch, even though, you know, the gameplay, ultimately when you build a deck, uh, the gameplay is going to be different, right? And how you use everything is different, but the drafting, comparing different things is so similar. And so I just wanted to, to talk about that a little bit more, delve, in, delve into that um, delve into that space and maybe uh, kind of contemplate why or, or if there is uh, a large crossover between miniature and card game players. Yeah, so I think the first part of that is just of how they compare is just the entire building of your lists that mm -hmm. you figure it'd be really easy to build with cards because they're just well i don't know if you think it's easier to build card lists or not like when you normally have playing card games there's certain cards that are rarer and certain cards that are more common so mm -hmm. it's not like you can usually just go out and get exactly what you want for cheap Often, if you really want to get the exact deck you want, mm -hmm. you're going to start paying quite a bit of a premium. Yep. Whereas, at least with miniatures... It's not as different as as you say, though, with with a lot of miniatures games. No, because Like the miniatures games often that we play. Mm -hmm. But there is this game called um, Warhammer 40,000 or Age of Sigmar, where your big, splashy pieces are like just more expensive by virtue of them being characters or special. Mm -hmm. like they they explained it away by saying like these are low print run right because let's say you have a character like eldrad uthwin who is just some like hero right some ancient hero uh for the eldar just a race in 40k um he's one model but he is like 40 dollars if you buy him mm -hmm. which is a lot more than if you buy a grunt which is i don't know between two to to ten dollars basically yeah because depending on how much you, bulk you, you buy them yeah yeah, with miniatures, just even beyond the price they put in that, like often your bigger, cooler things in miniatures, yeah, they're going to be more expensive, but they can go out of print as well. They just sort of, if they're really popular, because maybe they're good in the game, they can become rare because people just buy all of them and then they're out of stock for a while. Yeah, so you may have to go on the secondary market, just like the secondary yeah. card market and just try and yeah. pay whatever top dollar it and, is to get to yourself yeah. or get used more. Yeah, and maybe if you don't like it, you 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 don't use it ever again. And then sometimes, uh, if uh, you can't find it, you will buy um, you'll get desperate and and buy a counterfeit or a proxy version. Let's say a proxy version, right? Let's say, oh, I can't get my, I don't know, uh, my Joan of Arc or my Magru Bagard because they're all, all sold out. Well, I'll just proxy it. I'll put it in another model. To, to play and hopefully my opponents will be okay with that and similarly in deck building games oh. like you said if there's a card that's super rare and you need it for your deck and you can't find it you just tell your friends okay i'm gonna write write gaia's cradle onto this card mm -hmm. and then as as long as everyone's okay with it you know when you draw that 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 uh forest with gaia's cradle written on it you play yeah, it as a gaia's cradle same kind of for thing. a while sorry if they're your friends, they might let you do it for a while. But at some point, they'll expect you to actually... A lot of people say that it's, you know, depending on your group, really, right? Just like miniature games, right? Um, and it, of course, depends on how much money you have, right? If you are a bunch of young people or, or, or cash-strapped people, 
um, who, who, you know, this, this, you know, you have lots of different things that you need to spend money on. Maybe you don't have enough money for this specific game. Mm-hmm. Your friends will generally be okay. You know, if you're all competitive and you need to build the best decks, but you can't afford them, who cares if you just, if you're there for the gameplay, mm-hmm. who cares if you just write that down, right? Obviously you'd rather have the real one, but if you can't afford it, then yeah, just use the proxy. Yeah. If that's the, the mentality of your group. So yeah, it probably depends you use like, yeah, and uh, I think it's similar with the miniatures. Like, uh, as someone who has proxied or or um, converted to the point of uh, not actually having the original models or using models and 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 converting them to not actually to to play them as models that are not actually those models, I think, uh, you know, you as a person can understand that right like you whenever you play with your what is it your um mercenaries list in infinity mm-hmm. in some ways you have to be 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 you 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 are convinced that our group will be fine with you playing these models as other models even though technically they don't really look like those models nope so the in miniatures as long as you put in some sort of like effort for conversion people mm-hmm. most people are quite accepting of it Often, if you put in no effort for conversion, it's quite different than the cards. Like, oh yeah, that's that's definitely true. Like I think you, actually it's it's true with card games as well. Like if you have a if you put effort into let's say your guy's cradle and you make like I don't know you convert a card or something, right? You like custom hand drawn art for it. Like, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> you tried. It's not even the same card, but you just custom draw like a cool border and stuff like that. Uh, usually they use paint, right? They scrape it away and then use really thin paint to put it on. You put everyone puts them in sleeves. It's uh, it's you know depending on your group, like I said, and as long as you're you're not playing in some sort of tournament, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the weird thing is like with card tournaments, it's like oh no, that's totally unacceptable in an official tournament. Whereas in most miniature tournaments, except mm-hmm. I'm not sure what forty how forty k would see it. I don't know. I don't think it's it's I think it depends on the game and, and I think it's, it depends on the tournament maybe. organizer I would say for miniatures more mm-hmm. but in miniatures games it's totally acceptable to have like converted proxies and in at the highest I level. think there are definitely limits like if you look if you remember War Machine and you remember uh Warhammer 40,000 mm-hmm. um having so, a lot of models without actual like games workshop or, or or privateer press models uh and even for infinity right they they say technically you, you shouldn't be using like total other manufacturers mm-hmm. other manufacturers that's... right not e- even if they they seem to match if they're other manufacturers often mm-hmm. that's not by the rules that's not technically allowed right and some people will crack down and some will not but the bigger the the tournament is the more they will go towards the actual rules and mm-hmm. i think in a lot of ways the same thing with with uh Magic the Gathering or, or these other card games, right? If you're playing at your local tourney and you're all a bunch of buddies and everything like that, having this proxy thing, maybe it's more okay. Maybe it's not, but like maybe it's more okay, especially if you put in a lot of effort to make it look super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the larger you get and the more official that you get, especially with you know Magic the Gathering tournaments being much bigger, right? Then and, and much more official then uh, even Games Workshop tournaments by like a, a long shot, it, it does make sense that they, they would crack down more, right? Yep. But if you played a Netrunner tournament and you had a cool converted card, like assuming it plays the same, right? Mm-hmm. 
Would I see you getting disqualified? I don't know. I, I, like I don't casual, see it in a local tournament. Actual local store tournament? Maybe not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless it has like, unless your conversion is like a big giant dick or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's not okay. I think that applies to all conversions. Anyway, so the, <laughs> yeah, on the note of like proxy and converting, like the rules are actually quite, quite similar from cards to miniatures, even though they're very different, like mm-hmm. physical and, and Yeah. And I would say like, because miniature games are so are, are a hobby, I, 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 thinking about it, I guess I would agree with you that they're probably, you'll get away with more in miniatures, even though the rules are technically similar or the same, that the, the tournament organizers are, are, will probably give you more leeway just because miniatures as a whole is a more, less competitive, more hobby oriented hobby, right? So uh, the, the people are less in general, although this is obviously constantly broken by extremes uh in general they're more chill and more uh you know like hobby oriented right so if you bring something cool looking by virtue of bringing something that looks cool they're much more likely to uh just give it a pass right yeah and the the rules for you the main point is just don't like don't completely confuse your opponent if you're trying if you're doing something that they can clearly understand that's usually good but once you're beyond the point, it just becomes like bizarre, and there's too much of it that mm-hmm. your opponent can no longer keep track. Then you're then you're actually just causing them problems, which isn't cool anymore. Yep, definitely. And so I guess this is this is like a you know building your or choosing your cards for for tournaments. Um, for the uh, where we've kind of contrasted that, um, but if you if you think about the actual act of building those the list miniature themselves. lists or mm-hmm. yeah cards how do they um how do they contrast and oh so i'm trying to think how they differ because there there's probably more similarities since when you build any one of them you're often going like you're trying to craft a strategy to be employed during the game So you want a bunch of pieces that work together well, whether it's maybe pulling off combos, whether it's just going like min-maxing in one particular way where you think you can overwhelm your opponent in that route. Or maybe if you're just like playing for fun and you want like a theme, like, oh, I want all these guys with like, who are horse riders in like a miniature game. Or you want like one particular like merfolk if you're playing magic to just go with a theme maybe it has an advantage in the game or maybe it's just like no i, I just... like you i like the fact you chose merfolk of all, all races it's kind of maybe as a not great uh race to be a, but that has a, a lot of fans even though the fact that it's not that great oh yeah race to, to use. going for the theme you're not going for the win that's it's that's exactly it's exactly theme. right so often though like when i think of miniature list building there's normally with card games you normally have one mission that's just beat your opponent, but there's multiple ways to do it. Whereas in miniature games, you're usually playing for a mission. So those change. Yeah, you get the objective often changes between game to game in miniatures. So building just one list, like in miniature game or in card games, there might be like a meta for your area where people play and you're crafting towards that. Whereas in miniature games, you're often crafting towards 
like a specific mission you think you're going to play with that list. So you're going to start like putting the pieces in based on what you think is going to be good at accomplishing the mission. Maybe just what, and after that, start putting in what you think is going to be good at just winning the game. Mm -hmm. Just from that perspective, I see what you put Yeah, there's a lot more variance game to game with, uh, miniatures just because of like like you said the difference of the game right mm -hmm. even in one tournament there might be three different missions right and in some ways you could say that that's the same kind of uh thing with card games like you said because of the the meta changes it's basically you need to be able to take on all comers right uh, mm -hmm. you still need to do that in miniatures games but you know the emphasis of different games kind of swings it a lot more but i think the biggest thing is like um uh, tournament to tournament mm -hmm. those the games can change because the missions can change so almost like the decks that you bring have to be significantly different over and above your your actual excuse me meta right mm -hmm. basically the tournaments or 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 even just you know the the friday night that you play your game uh can significantly swing the meta right Whereas in a card game, generally metas only swing based on new sets, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, I guess we want to, if, if we talk about, you know, this, this major thing about like, how do you change uh, like this changing of metas, right? This, this insertion of new cards or new miniatures seems to be like, a huge, it, almost the way that your your deck building turns and changes and stays fresh, right? Because I do find, like like I said uh, earlier on, I've, I've been uh, crafting. I actually am not crafting, even though I built my cube, right? I was actually just crafting a set. But um, I have been playing a couple of other uh, games, uh, card games, playing. Well, I have been playing one game which because because it's a video game, but it's basically the same kind of thing in terms of deck building. It's called Legends of Runeterra. Uh, it's quite good. You should try it out if you're bored at home and you want to play a, 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 what do you call it, a tabletop-like game. Uh, in my opinion, it's the best uh, card video game, card game, uh, like competitive one where you play against other people uh, on the market. Um, but I've found that I basically come and go based on you know new metas right if the meta is the same the, the 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 gameplay starts getting stale because nothing changes right you kind of figured out the meta you're kind of bringing the same thing uh there's no necessarily uh the exploration that people really enjoy from deck building right mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. when so i basically come and go based on when they have a new set right and I've realized, you know, I've, I've, I've not played for like when they have a gap, right, where, you know, there's no new cards coming in over like two months or something like that. It'll be like a month or two months. I'll literally just uninstall it also because I get addicted very easily. So I have to uninstall it otherwise, you know, but then I, I don't miss it. Right. And then suddenly a new new cards come in, new new. Um, yeah, new meta starts and. I suddenly become interested because I start thinking, oh, I wonder if I could build this deck. Oh, does this open up this thing? Will this work with this new deck? And all these possibilities um, start flowing through my mind and make me really interested to just like build a deck, right? And I think back to uh, when I used to play miniatures, right? That same itch was scratched when uh, 
in, let's say in infinity when a new expansion was released and like 10 or five or 10 new models come in shake up the entire meta and then also make me think oh with if i put this miniature in then maybe my list will you know i can make this kind of list work and it'll be better in this way and i can change the entire way just by the insertion of this one unit um, and I found like, it's it's very, very similar. The high that I got from building, not even just talking about the, you know, obviously for card games, it's it's pretty pretty cards, right? And let's just, and, and and for miniatures, it's like these awesome miniatures would just might, might force you to buy it just by virtue of how cool it looks. But the list building portion of fun is so, the joy you get out of it is so similar. So that actually reminds me more back to our days of playing War Machine and Hordes and why I think the hype was bigger around those miniature releases is A, the game was kind of pretty competitive. So like, oh, will this give me an edge or is this, is this going to give my opponents that play this faction like scorn an edge if it's their faction's release? And yeah. <clears throat> part of it though might come down to the fact that that game might not have been as balanced like from miniature to miniature so if something came out it could just be broken and you'd have to really yeah. pay attention to the fact that, that that might show up for somebody else or maybe you think it's so awesome like oh i'm just gonna build a whole list around this because with how mm -hmm. how the points were costed for war machine hordes back in third edition was it mm -hmm. the mm, second edition second, second edition. edition that's right yeah i'm thinking arc two arc two there we go that's why the name escaped me that once a miniature came out, they didn't usually retcon it. Like once you, they came with cards that had stat values on them and that was the value and it stayed that way. So if something was broken, it just kept being broken all the way through the edition. Just like in card games where some card that comes out that's good and it's like a four, four and it only costs two like mm -hmm. to put down, going from a magic perspective, like, oh, that's broken. And now the card just exists until they ban the card which yep. is pretty extreme to do because they've now taken the card from you as opposed yep. to reduced it. So and it's really, really interesting that, that, that you mentioned that because I think both miniatures and, and card games have kind of have uh, gotten influenced by video games and the idea of patching. Mm -hmm. So like you said, uh, Magic the Gathering itself, it, like when you release a card, you can't really change the you can't card. Take the card back. No. Yeah. Exactly. So almost the only way that you can fix a meta where this card is too powerful is to ban it or restrict it somehow. Mm -hmm. And so they did, did end up going through a phase where they tried to push the envelope, right? Because the problem is if you, if you do that and you're too afraid of, um, not, of, of things being not powerful enough, mm -hmm. uh, oh, sorry, too afraid of things becoming too powerful, you might make cards not powerful enough and then they just don't see play it's like if nobody plays with it it's like you didn't release anything so you put in all this work to create a new set and no one plays with it right because they're using all the old cards mm -hmm. then that's a giant waste and then no one will buy it right so magic the gathering recently started thinking about you know maybe we should push the envelope and be more okay with banning things if they get if they're too powerful and then they went too far on the other end and started banning things all over the place right and mm -hmm. I think there is a definitely a heavy influence because they want they want to be able to push this this uh, push the limits because they feel like you know a lot of the the competition in card games is online card games, but online card games don't have the same restrictions, right? Yeah. Because 
you're it's not printed right it's not a printed card so basically they can just change the card right you just they just make you download a patch and suddenly your four four for two is now let's say a three three or whatever right or maybe a two four or something like that right mm -hmm. and suddenly it becomes balanced right they can just do that and because these online video games can do that they're a lot they can they're a lot more fast and loose with releasing things that might actually be broke it on release because they were like, well, that's fine. In, in two months or three months, we'll just patch it uh, and then it'll be fine. And in some ways it allows them to shake up the meta even more, right? Because, you know, you might have a meta where this 4-4 is now super powerful and everyone's trying to, um, trying to tech for that, right? And so it becomes an entirely different meta shaped by this card, right? This broken card. And then when they patch it, then it's a different meta which keeps people interested, right? So you have to, to deck build and plan for when you have this 4-4 four four is dominating, how are you going to work around this? And then you also get to deck build when it changes, right? Yeah. Like when it changes back to the 2-4, the you're like, okay, so now this thing is no longer there. Now what is the meta looking like now, right? Can I go back to my old one or have you know the involved strategies that people have, have used uh, change the meta? So now I, I shouldn't even be using that. I should be using so-and-so different, right? Mm-hmm. Which I guess the restriction part you mentioned brings us to another thing. The one parallel between miniature games and card games is they usually put a limit on the number of one thing that you can take. Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty much, well, there's probably two facets to it. One to stop people from just breaking the game and the other to stop people from just making really boring lists and playing, making the game really boring that maybe it'll be balanced, but it could, if you play with just a whole deck of one thing, it's going to bore your opponents. You're going to get bored of it pretty yeah. quickly, all in the name of trying to win. <clears throat> yeah. So in both games, they seem to restrict things. With the difference of miniature games to card games, it seems like there's well, usually... When you look at just like the printing thing, right? I just wanted to add one more thing is uh, I think we're seeing miniature games. They originally were like card games because they didn't have printed... Like they didn't have the, the stats printed on the miniature but they usually did have it printed in a book and it's a hard hardcover book. Right. Mm -hmm. And like you said, or, or cards like in private press. Right. But it's the 21st century. Yeah. You know? We now have phones. We walk around with the internet. So <clears throat> if you get into an argument over what something's supposed to do, like, Oh, but, but the FAQ 3.17, 2000, like, 18 said this and they're like oh but but there was an faq 3.47 like ah <laughs> you can just yeah, but yeah. pull up the phone now and find the most yeah, recent one right there yeah pull up rules erratas you can even change uh points costs or actual uh card stats or not cards that's miniature stats right mm -hmm. if we look at like our most popular our most favorite one of the our most favorite games infinity that's exactly what they have, right? And they were really tentative to do it because they were printing books, right? With stats and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But they've really come around to it because they have like this amazing army builder, right? On your phone, either online or, or as an app. And what, it, what it's done is basically allowed them to tweak stats as needed uh, if they release something that's broken, right? Two months in two months or whatever. And like you said, they can just change rules or they can change stats or change point costs, right? So okay. it's almost like miniature games can now take the where they used to have the same problem as printed magic cards. 
they now get the benefits of both being a physical game, right? So you get the tactile feel, but mm -hmm. also having the ability to update broken mechanics or stats like uh, online card games. Yeah, and like I'm totally not biased saying that they have the best of both worlds, but they totally do. <laughs> yeah, it's just like any online video game like yeah. has that ability. And they've now, now because the internet's kind of ubiquitous, most game yeah. manufacturers have been like, no, every once in a while, we're just going to update it. <clears throat> very few Although it does piss off some people with for games workshop games because because they try to force you to buy 50 dollars codexes and then uh the codexes if you buy the printed version uh they get outdated yeah uh at like day one as they, they release a patch that says oh actually that point cost was wrong or just like broken yeah like having the codexes in games workshop i'm and it's kind of fine if you like the fluff of the army and you just want that. But a lot of the books, yes, are taken up with stat lines. So that becomes kind of annoying from their perspective. But I think most game manufacturers have started focusing more towards like, okay, the book might have the stats, but it's mostly about the art and the fluff and giving themselves more flexibility yeah. to release FAQs on the back end or just releasing like lists of points of everything that just keep being mm. updated. Yeah, actually, that's what 40k kind of has done. Like they print when you when you buy a codex, they have the the points cost in the back, but it's in a separate section so that when they update the points to try and balance things, right? Uh, they can just change those, you know, two or three pages, and and to people who bought the book, it's not as egregious because you know instead of ignoring these points or these numbers all the way through your book, you're just ignoring these last two pages, and then you insert in whatever the the new points cost pages are into your book, so you're you're generally okay. Yes, I think a lot of big game manufacturers are really hesitant to make that move, like thinking of War Machine that just you had to buy the cards, Malifaux that comes with the cards, and oh, what was the other one I'm thinking of? Interesting oh, one. Yeah. Yeah, game, all the Games Workshop games, they were really reluctant to do that. And they just wanted to put out a whole full product, thinking that it would just confuse people. But I think with Infinity being out there and being willing to have an online RB builder that superseded everything, that they... All the rules are online now. You don't even have to buy the books. The books are literally a supplement. Yep. But they probably were able to look at what Corvus Belly was doing with Infinity and seeing that they were still able to sell books even though the players had zero need to buy those books to play the game, they still managed to, to sell that product. It's and true. I Actually, I really like the, the Corvus Belly kind of book. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't even think they have the rules. or Do they have, even have the rules anymore? They, they kind of did. They put in the... I feel like they're just moving away for away from that. And literally, the, they're now just supplement books. The books, like every expansion is just like, here's the art. Here's the art for all of the new models. Here's some beautiful miniatures pictures. And uh, that's it as a book. Maybe there's some missions, right? Mm -hmm. That to me is, a, and then all the rules like for, for, your, for your miniatures are, are almost all of them are, are online, right? And, and I could see a point where like all of them are online and it's literally just a supplement book. And maybe they don't sell as many copies, but like, you keep things so up to date and the user experience is so good for players right mm -hmm. when and, and right now it's like it's definitely a differentiating factor where you can be like you know uh i want to get into infinity well i don't have to buy all of these 
books just just go online just download this free army builder build it buy your miniatures and you're ready to go right and if you really like the fluff go and buy some books or you really start getting interested you will go and buy those books afterwards to see what's going on yeah and especially thinking of the games that use cards like malifaux and war machine that say you you were an og player like you got in on the ground level first edition so now you have first edition cards but maybe the game's reached its fourth edition. How are you getting those cards? Like for some games, thinking of X-Wing, they released a pack and you're like, ooh, I have a pack. I could now like get one copy of this card so I can play one of the ship. But maybe you own four of those ships. What are you going to do? You don't have enough cards. So That was a mess. I think that really hurt. So basically X-Wing, heavily card-based because it's from Fantasy Flight, right? Mm -hmm. Like all these stat cards were based on cards and people would buy a ship because it comes with a special card that they don't even care about the ship. It's not even a faction they play. They'll buy it for this little upgrade card. So they have the official upgrade card to put on their, uh, let's say X-Wing, right? Mm -hmm. Their their other favorite ship. Yeah. What happened is change over to second edition. uh, They needed to update all those cards and they, they, they had the idea of creating an upgrade pack, but exactly like you said, it they were huge. Each upgrade pack was like an, it had, it, they tried to make it so that for any faction, you just need to buy this one, a Greek hack and it upgrades all of your cards. But because there are so many different cards and cards and, and units, uh, the upgrade pack ended up being $80 or something like that. I mean, at least over 50, right? And it would only, it would cover your common like ships, but if you skewed in some direction with like a whole bunch of one particular ship, then it yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't have what you needed to play that list anymore. Yeah. So it, like it, 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 it you have to have a pretty heavy skew, but it was like a bad balancing act because if you did it skew and you only used a small portion, let's say you only have like 10 models, right? Mm-hmm. You really only need like 25% of that $80 expansion pack to, to upgrade, right? Because you don't have the whole faction. You only have 25% of the faction. So you only need 25%. So why are you paying for the upgrade cards for all of these ships when you only need 25% of them, right? It became super, super painful. So it was, it was bad on both ends. If you, if you include everything with every possibility, it's too expensive. If you don't, then people need to buy what two of them to, to make, make sure it's filled out. It was just like a lose, lose situation uh, for the consumer. Right. Yeah, because I feel like it ended up being a loose situation for them as well, because I think a lot of people just stopped playing because of that. Yeah, the entry point might have been a nuisance to people. I mean, well, even moving your models that you already have to second edition, you have to buy them, right? How are you going to know what the stats are and what they do without? Yeah, because X Wing is actually a sort of interesting cross between a miniature game and a card game, because the products you buy, as you said, are how you acquire the cards to build your deck. Like if you want this particular type of like photon beam or whatever, I don't think that's one of the actual weapons because I haven't played it in ages, but if you want that weapon, you have to go make a- Photon torpedoes. Photon torpedoes. No, that's that's Star Wars. A Star Trek. No, 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 no. Proton, proton torpedoes. Proton torpedoes are Star Star Wars Trek. They're called torpedoes. They have torpedoes. Maybe they're just called torpedoes. <laughs> anyway. No, they're not. No, they're not. Anyways, keep on going. You can look up the cards, but there's various forms of right stuff now. like that. And in order to get them, you have to purchase a product, which is sort of like cracking packs and cards or 
if you really just wanted to build a deck, you would go and buy it on the secondary market, but you're going out and trying to build cards so you can use that card in your list. So it's kind of an interesting crossover, but by creating a new edition, they sort of like took away your cards. But didn't yep. take half of the things that you were buying and collecting. Yeah, it's kind of like a whole new edition came out. Like, mm-hmm. and usually with Magic, Magic's gotten smart about it that they don't like. They have a rotating set. So basically, it lose. rotates out. So only half of the things are rotating out. Mm-hmm. In some ways, you could say the X Wing is the same way. It's just that the half was all the cards and not the miniatures. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It didn't work, I think. No, unfortunately, the, they picked a half that confused people. Yep. Yeah. Um, it, they're called proton torpedoes. Oh. The X-Wings, right? The things that, that Luke shoots to destroy the Death Star? Yeah, those are proton torpedoes. Oh, okay. All right. And it's photon torpedoes, right, in Star Trek? Oh, proton photon. There we go. Okay. I don't know what a photon is. Is that like some sort of super light particle or something? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I don't know this stuff. Um, Or a science fiction author. Um, Sorry, yeah. Sorry, I just had to say that because I was like, isn't it proton torpedoes? Uh, Yeah. Um, And I'm surprised that you didn't know for sure considering how much Star Trek you have watched in your life. Hmm. Yeah, well, I've played too much X-Wing lately after that, so who knows? It ruined it. <laughs> I watched too many too many Star Wars offshoot movies. Yeah. Uh, getting them them confused. Um yeah, so Yeah, so th- so the entire like um deck building rotational format to get you to continually buy in is an interesting thing because with deck deck builders, right? And in, in some ways it's the same, right? With miniatures and um, legacy games, uh, legacy card games. Because when you think about magic, it is so long um, and they're constantly releasing new products. How are you getting to, how, do you, how are you getting people still excited for a new set when it's so unlikely? Um, like there's basically, it's so hard to create cards that will change the meta, right? That will that will add to your deck to change things up so that you will use it, right? Do they make you just build a new deck, right? And how is that even going to be competitive, right? That, I guess that gets into the problem where either they have to, they're forced to utilize power creep where they're now just invalidating the older cards they put out by just increasing the power level mm-hmm. and... For miniature games, we often see that as well because the company wants people to buy the new product. So they don't want to give it a stat line that's garbage. But now mm-hmm. they're creating this whole skew line of older things that may no longer be sellable at a game store. And the game stores won't know that. And they'll just have all this product lying around mm-hmm. because the game yep. company's been forced to up their ante with the power levels in order to keep people buying the new stuff. Yeah, so, it's definitely a problem with uh, game-based miniature buying right? Because miniatures, you can always buy them just because they look cool, right? And you just want to assemble them and things like that, right? Which you could say that that's actually the majority of our hobby, like if if percentage-wise, people who just buy the models because they look cool, right? And then the game is an excuse to buy models. Um, So there's still going to be some buying and there's some protection, but for games that are more heavily into uh, the gameplay, something like War Machine, uh, at least Mark II, where uh, 
people would buy models, at least we did, right? And I feel like a lot of people would just buy uh, a model because their stats were amazing, mm -hmm. right? Even if they didn't really like the model, they're like, wow, this thing is broken. <laughs> I got to go and buy this, right? And I guess there's the same thing with some Games Workshop games, right? But um, yeah, with card games, that's almost the exact lever that you're pulling, right? Card games are much more in general about the games as opposed to the art on the card. Mm -hmm. And the percentage of people that are like, like you said, theme players who are like, oh, I love how this Merfolk looks. I love the theme of this Merfolk hero, even though they're trash. Uh, the number of players that, that buy that just because of that is much lower. Yeah, they'll, they'll usually more build around a tactic. If they're going for a theme, it's more like a tactical theme. Yeah, exactly. And it's like an overall kind of uh, deck-based theme as opposed to any specific miniatures, which I guess you could technically say the same thing for uh, armies, right? Oftentimes people will, let's say, you want to build your army around, let's say in Mark II, uh, trenchers, right? They started releasing enough trenchers that, oh, I want to have a trencher-themed army. Then you build it and then you try your hardest to make it good, which I don't think you ever could in Mark II, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, so obviously everybody knows like Magic in the modern format where they only have a certain number of sets in rotation. Yeah. But I can't think of where in miniatures, like sometimes they'll remove a thing from the game, but... Yeah, I'll say new edition. They bas it basically requires a whole new edition to get things out of the game, which yep. Workshop is quite okay with doing. And sort of once the players understand that it's going to happen, like mm -hmm. it's the entire meeting expectations that as a Games Workshop player... So if you've been there for long enough, you know that when they put out a new edition, some of your stuff's going to go away. Yep. Whole it's a curated is... list. It's... Or maybe I think... fashion go away. Or a whole game. Yeah, I... Fantasy. <laughs> a whole fashion, yeah, squats. Um, yeah, so um, I think that actually Games Workshop has basically trained all miniature game players to expect new editions to come out and to change things up, to shake things up, shake the meta up, keep things fresh and also curate their lists and their skew lines uh, to be uh, uh, manageable. Like I think we mentioned, we talked about this before, but when we talked about uh, expanding games, right? Because a game can't expand up forever. You know, this is the same kind of thing uh, because, you know, you're just not going to be able to, like a new release is not going to have an impact on the current releases to, to change up the meta and, and, and how you build your deck. If, every single option of how a, a miniature or a card could do could work right is already created mm -hmm. so the idea that you create a new edition that curates uh, like your list and maybe folds in a couple of models to basically you know be the same model um is i don't know people have have basically been uh mentally prepared or mentally primed to accept that and even uh, enjoy the positives of that, right? Because like I said, it's almost, a new edition is almost like an entirely new meta, a new expansion that also gets to right a lot of the wrongs that have happened before. And because your rules are, uh, I guess you expect all the rules to change over and you're expecting you'll get a new book if it's like a book-based game, uh, it almost is exciting, right? As long as it's paced appropriately, right? Yeah, and as long as the balance is semi-decent at the very beginning. And it as should... long as it doesn't throw out like half your list, right? I feel mm -hmm. like 
any generally miniature game players, right? We talked about how we have way too many minis anyways. So uh, if you curate or you get rid of, let's say 10% or, or, or maybe even 20% up to of a model line, as long as, you know, people, miniature game players are not so upset about 20% of their models not being usable, as long as they can be, like you said, proxied for something else. So they can still play with their favorite models. They just can't play them as, you know, that special statted model. And then there's always in the back of their head, the idea that, oh, maybe at some point that miniature I can use is going to come back as the unit that it was before, right? Mm -hmm. So it almost keeps people excited. Yep. So on the note of lists and list building, I think net lists are definitely a thing for both games. Yep. But I would, thinking back to the War Machine days, net lists were extremely popular, but that may have been because of an issue with balance in game where some things were clearly better. So net listing was more viable, just telling you to exclude certain things mm -hmm. made sense. But I think in miniature games, net listing is probably less popular because it's not like you're always playing a particular meta. You're more playing, I hope a lot of games you're playing for missions. But then again, for the particular mission, I don't know main. if that's true, man. No, you think, uh, you think people complain card... about the big games, net lists for, for both. And I think card games, I agree that card games are worse, but like, it's like every single thing is worse in card games uh, than miniature games. And I think it's basically just rotates around competitive, right? Okay. Because competitive 40K players, there's a lot of complaints about people choosing an army mm -hmm. based on it just being the top tier excuse me, uh, meta, meta list, let's say space Marines or, or flavor of the week army. They're like, Oh yeah, take these things. They're broken. Right. Mm -hmm. And in this way, and this is the combination that you want to build. And I can tell you like, even that's one of the things that I hate worst about, uh, card games, playing them online. Cause you'll be playing against a lot of strangers. I don't, I don't have a lot of friends that, that play these games online. In fact, I don't have, I don't really play with any, any friends, uh, Miniature games, right? Not miniature games, sorry. Um, uh, card online. games online. Online, I mean. Um, and so whenever I, like, the, it's the worst thing because to play against basically a net deck, right? Because, you know, this, like, like we said, this is the 21st century. So literally people just go out, find the top five meta, meta lists and even not on ranked, which is like ranked as the competitive, supposedly supposed to be the competitive way to play the game. In some ways you're like, okay, I guess you're going to face the top five meta decks, right? On that one all the time, right? Yeah. Or in some, in some games, the top three or even the top two meta decks <laughs> can get really bad. Uh, but what I find annoying is even when you play normal in these ones, there's a lot of people who literally just still take the top five meta decks, right? So do you think those card games are more balanced than miniature games or less balanced? Um, they're probably more balanced, mm -hmm. um, but not for... The level of competition for the... you're aiming for? Sorry? But not for the level of comp competitive play that people are aiming for? Uh, well, for two things. The, the basically, the reason why they're probably more balanced um, is, I, I guess it depends on what you mean by balanced, right? Um, there, for the big games, there's just a lot more people playing them, 
So the ability to balance the game and the way that you kind of think about the game is you don't have to balance certain cards because people have accepted the fact that certain cards are just Mimi or, 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 and the, or the ideas they're unlocked because they're part of a strategy that's just not there. Or one of the cop-outs that I hear a lot is, oh, this card is for drafting, right? Which is a limited format where you literally open up 15 cards and you have to use those cards to build your deck. In which case having crappy cards makes the format much more interesting. Cause you're like, maybe this card is not technically better in a, in a built deck where I can choose from the entire card pool but maybe for this deck that i'm trying to craft on the fly with these cards that i have it is the best for this thing mm-hmm. right and so they have that kind of excuse so uh combined with the fact that you know there's a lot more just a lot more people in general playing uh card games like it's a bigger it's a bigger yeah. market right so in many ways it becomes more balanced that way but the balance matters a lot more because miniature games, generally there's a lot more structure. There's a lot more tabletop uh, importance. There's a lot less importance on deck building and a lot more importance on tabletop tactics. So the ability, like the the, the difference in broken lists is generally a lot smaller. Um, and you can compensate a lot more in miniature games with good generalship. So... Yeah, on the face, that seems surprising because in card games, you're usually drawing and getting random cards. So you don't necessarily have the strategy or the combo you want right from the turn one. Mm-hmm. So you would think that with miniature games, that because the strategy you're going to pull off is all mm-hmm. sort of like ready in front of you with all of its parts, all of the yep. parts, that you should be able to break the game harder. But it might be because you're, I think, you yeah. like, don't, depending on where you position things on the board, and how your opponent positions their things, the strategy can like work or fail based on how you actually like physically position things. Yeah, on the I think it's surface. really just about the amount of like we're talking about like odds to win. The mm-hmm. amount of odds to win based on your generalship, I feel like, is higher in general in miniature games than in card games. With card games obviously strategy and like skill obviously still matters right it's just i feel like a a smaller amount and a lot of it like all of the a lot of the best players uh part of that is in uh being able to craft the best decks right yeah i think part of it's also for card games is more understanding your opponent's deck like if you can take a look at it and understand what your opponent's trying to achieve you can negate that but that's all yeah. information because you don't actually know what's in your deck. But the more games a card game player has played, they can have a guess yeah. what's like hidden inside their deck. Whereas with miniature games, it's often mostly based around just understanding the board state. Mm-hmm. And rolling with the randomness. And the same thing with card games, right? Random of drawing cards versus random of dice and stuff like that, right? Um, I feel like, I think this this kind of ties into the enjoyment out of these games. Mm-hmm. Um the, you know, we're talking about deck building, right? Uh, versus army building. I feel like the major joy you get out of these trading card games is the deck building. So it's like a very elaborate game of rock, paper, scissors. You've crafted no, your best. Nope. Not exactly, no. Because it's not rock, paper, scissors. No. Um, it, the, the, the rock, paper, scissors portion is the meta portion. Mm-hmm. Um, but the exploration of trying to find new techniques 
mm-hmm. right? That that have a top tier tier deck, right? Is I feel like a lot of the fun of miniature. It's like the portion of fun you get from uh, card games uh, being deck, like the deck building portion or the building portion of card games is a lot bigger portion of the fun that you get than compared to miniature games, right? Miniature games have a lot of things going on and, and I feel like the strategy that you're playing on the battlefield factors in a lot more to the fun of the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas in card games, of course that still factors in, right? But when I see people who get super excited about it and, and I see people who get super into it, it's like half the time it's like, oh, I have these, you know, how am I going to build this deck, right? How, like what, how am I going to build it? And, and cards are basically, you know, little different pieces and there's so many more of them remember in the in these these card games uh they all fold into this kind of idea of trying to create this you know trying to to interweave interlock all these different pieces uh to create a new interesting deck deck concept mm-hmm. like I, I i just so it's more around so with a deck it's more about just setting the deck in motion and just not making big mistakes whereas in miniatures games you're just like yes i i don't have a my list is fine but it's all about my generalship and about my tech, like tactics. I, I, I wouldn't say board. it's all about like, again, this what? is like, it's like a, I don't know, 40, 60 versus 60, 40 thing. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like it, it is. Right. Um, so I'd say it's just like the, the skew towards, right. I just see people when they, they get really into miniature uh, card games and, and myself included, right. What they talk about uh, as being super fun about the game is more often, oh, I created this amazing deck with this new concept. Now it's working with, like you said, Merfolk, right? I have this Merfolk deck that's actually working. Oh my God, this is amazing, right? With my perfect theme or like, oh, there's this new card released. I'm going to slot this in and I can now do this amazing combo that I, I was always trying to get this other card to work. And now with this new card, it works. And now I can create this deck concept, right? That's the exciting portion, right? Whereas when you go to a miniature game player, what will they talk about? They, 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 you might, you know, when you're building your decks, right? It's fun and you'll talk about that. But after, after when you're, you're talking to your friends about what the joy of, of the thing is, you'll be like, oh, you're much more likely to be like, oh, remember that time that I moved that guy and then this happened and this crazy stuff happened? It's about things that happened on the on the tabletop, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the percentage of, of, of when I see people talk about the joy of the games, the miniature gamers, I see they, they care more about the gameplay, the things that happen on the battlefield, right? And, or they talk about the beautiful models. And then the, the card game players talk more about, oh, this cool deck concept that they did, that did so-and-so, and they're more likely to, right? Of course, they still talk about, oh, and then I drew this and I had this amazing combo go off, right? Mm-hmm. But it's often in terms of having the deck concept work, right? Yes, did, so the, did, did, did the deck work according to the theory they came up with? Yeah, or if it's a janky deck, did you did they actually pull off their jank deck <laughs> combo? <laughs> They're like, oh, that one time my deck sucked, but it has this one amazing combo, and I lived the dream when I lined up this this ten card combo, and it totally worked, and I won my first game out of a hundred, but it worked, right? Yeah. So, I think an aside from the typical like collecting card games would be like the deck building card games that are more more like drafting and less about just like going out and paying the big bucks to get the mm-hmm. to get the best net deck of the day. Yeah, like it kind of makes sense, right? Because we're talking sorry, go on. Yeah, there's sorry, other forms. You. 
Whoops. I just said I interrupted you and I interrupted you again by saying I interrupted you. Mm -hmm. So there's other ways of like other forms of card games that aren't just like the collecting of like, if you have all the money, you can have all the cards that there's a certain, the game comes with a certain selection of cards. And then in the course of the game, you build like, you start off with a starting set that's more standardized and then you improve it through the course of the game by like trading in resources to replace the cards in your deck or add cards to your deck that like improve it in some way you want. Mm-hmm. And just if there's sort of a miniature game parallel to that. Yeah. I think one of the things like we just, we were just mentioning, or I was just mentioning about how, how the, the more of the card game is about building the deck, right. And making the concepts work. So it makes sense that, if you want more of that, if that's like a critical part of the game, why don't you make a game where you basically experience the best part of card games while you're playing, right? To have a shorter, smaller experience, which is why I think this kind of deck builder kind of concept uh, took off, right? You yeah, have that experience less, of, yeah. There's less power difference between the players because if one player has like the, the mega budget and the other player is like just still mm-hmm. in school, they're not yeah. going to be on equivalent levels in the game. So if yeah. you balance the playing field by just being like everybody has access to the same cards and whatever you think you should build in the course of the game, like obviously not every card comes up to add to your deck, but it's your decisions in the course of the game for how you craft your deck that determine yeah. what you're working with. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, so it works on all of those kind of um levels and and honestly when i talk about drafting it's one of my favorite ways to play which is why i created a match of the gathering cube for if and when we finally are able to get together we can kind of play that right um so back to i guess the original question is there a way to do this with miniatures i've only found kind of variant formats there was a variant format with a war machine called like um is it cast caster draft right where you basically draft like basically war War machine has a whole bunch of heroes right and and in your army generally you have one hero right Mm -hmm. and so they created a format where you basically draft your hero and then you're able to i think draft the feet so instead of taking the normal feet or something you 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 get to choose a random feet yeah or no spells because all the casters have spells and i think you get to draft the spells separately right and I don't know. Or yeah, I think the hero comes with their feet and then you get to draft the spells. I think that's what, what the thing was. Mm. So it was a kind of an interesting way to go and play. Um, it's kind of broken in some ways though. Um, yeah, if you get certain but I guess the entire point is be, because like in, in when you draft in cards, you're not drafting like the one most powerful 50% card. Like it's almost like caster draft is like when you're drafting, you literally have a pack of three and every card is 50% of your power level, right? Mm-hmm. So literally you're just drafting two out of three cards. And if you just happen to choose the strongest card that you win, right? Whereas with draft, you, ha- you have to build like generally a deck of like 40 or something like that. So the dilution of power becomes a- like, if you draft one super powerful card in a card game, you might just never draw that card, right? Mm-hmm. If you only have two cards, you're going to draw that card. And if that card is broken, you're going to win, right? Yeah. So in, in, in some ways, I feel like that was kind of broken. I feel like, I don't know, do, do, do you feel like there are 
Are, are you saying this is a cool concept that we should explore on some way to do drafting? Um, I'm, I can think of a few examples where there are, like, because mm-hmm. we play Infinity, so we know of Aristea, which is more like sports players, which is, it's a game based around individual players, and your team can be crafted with anyone you want. There aren't certain factions, but mm-hmm. it, it leans more towards a board game, really. But there's basically a range of figures available in the game, and then if you play the format where you just all share the the players that can be that they can then just be drafted at the uh-huh. beginning of a couple sets of games, and uh-huh. it's now that's kind how, of how does the draft work? You just draft one. Do you ban? Do you get to ban guys? There's I think there's versions where you ban, then versions where you just combine your collections. I think it's cool if you combine them. Each person chooses five, and then they each ban one. Yep. Like so, so everyone has five guys, and then you ban one that they can't play. Yeah, but That's as cool. I said, I think that that kind of plays more towards a board game because it's hex based and card, yeah, or card based. And, and and there's there's kind of an issue with miniature games because of the hobby life. aspect, right? That you can't because it's not like because people have to go home and paint them and assemble their miniatures. They mm-hmm. want to play with their like it's a double-edged sword because they want to play with those miniatures, and the idea that you're drafting. Uh, other person's miniatures sucks because you really just want to play with your, your miniatures that you assembled and lovingly painted and that are yours, right? So there aren't that many miniatures in the game. So in theory, you could both bring your own copies to play with yours. Yeah, so Asteria can kind of work, right? For that in a small, in a small like, game based around like six, ten characters on each side. Well, it's even less than that. It's four aside for two players. So that is so interesting that you mentioned that. Actually, with our game... Is, is it because you're talk, thinking about our game? Mm, no, the game... Because I our thought... game is based on powers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, each unit is built from a base stat line, and then you apply effects, right? Yep. You could create a drafting version of our miniatures game, where you yeah, shuffle cool. up the powers, and you literally draft powers to put on your characters. And you might say... You know, you have a certain level, like let's say your leader, you get to, to choose his leader ability or two, and then you draft the extra powers to put on your guys. Yep. So that brings me to games that are more RPG focused. You're not going to talk anything about that idea? I think that's an amazing idea. We really got to try that out. I think it'd be really interesting. Then you well, can literally bring your army list, right? You have 10 models to, mm-hmm. to do whatever, and then you draft your abilities and cards. Yep. Not, no idea, not, no no reaction at all. Well, I'm going to go for the the games that exist first. Like, okay. there's games out there that have more... RPG. Too late, I already brought it up. No comments? All right, let's continue. You got to think about it. I get it. Well, it reminds me more of there being like... It's more... It reminds me of campaign games where instead of the card, like in a drafting game, there'll be the card out there and you compete to get the card first. It reminds me a lot of Frostgrave where there's actually like, there can be treasure on the board. There can be equipment on the board or even Rangers of Shadow Deep where people like join your warband If you go find them or save them mm-hmm. that you're actually like changing your warband based on what you do in games, which I think it works it's better for limited equipment. Based, yeah. But it, like you can actually change your warband by what mm-hmm. you do in games, which is, it doesn't work in competitive settings quite as much, but I think the less competitive the game gets and the more narrative it gets you can start building in those elements of and you can i think one of the things that makes it like not quite like drafting but it's just more about like randomly getting abilities so often right with campaigns there 
from the ones that I've played, they haven't been so much like choose one of these things, right? Uh, uh, actually, I guess there is some, right? With Frost, Frostgrave, there is purchasing items, right? At the end of every game, I think the new way is like you basically create four items by rolling on the treasure table and say, you can buy these if you want, right? So in some ways there is a crafting, right? Based on the amount of gold you have. Yeah, in that, we usually have played it such that if there's an unlimited, everyone can buy one of what comes up, but it'd be sort of more interesting if you had to bid on them. Like one person's like, oh, I'll pay the starting price of 200 and the other guy's like 250. <laughs> and then you and then you have to go in increments and you're like, oh, 300. So, so now it's like, it becomes like a drafting game because there's only one copy of a card in a drafting game. Yep. Whereas how we play the Frostgrave with after the game, you kind of have like a market that appears, but we don't yep. play like a real market. We play it like an unlimited, like... Well, they only put things on sale when there's like 10 of one. <laughs> oh, yeah. we have 10 orbs on sale. Do you want one? But it, it would be kind of entertaining if we introduced like a drafting element cool. to Frostgrave of when those... It, What's the name of the cards again? It might have changed in the new edition as well, mm-hmm. but you can essentially play where there's a version of where a market appears afterwards. It would be cool, like, yeah, a black market, I think, or whatever. Um, I think that's we just the normal it. way to play in, in Frostgrave 2. To, to, have, we haven't actually played. I've played one game of Frostgrave 2, and so I haven't even done the, the end step, right? Mm-hmm. Um but when we come back, it's definitely a cool idea. Even if you offer like a discount, like of the four, one of them starts with a discount of let's say 50 gold, and then you auction, then you bid on it. Why not? To entice people to buy the item. Why not all of them? Because a lot of people don't buy the items because you know the prices are actually reasonably priced, and you often want to spend them on your warband. But if so, the item has a discount, so now it becomes very worth it to buy so it. Maybe, maybe they should all have a discount, but introduce the bidding mechanism. Like maybe put a 25% discount on everything, but enable uh-huh. bidding instead. But you worry about people just then trading items, right? Just buying it on discount. You want everyone to bid on one item so that they, they actually the compete. Trade just ban trading. Sorry? Just ban trading. No, 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 not trading, like trading items. What I mean is like, I will, if there's like four items and we have eight players or four players there, then mm-hmm. everyone just might buy a different item and then there's no bidding, right? They just get a that discount. Is, we haven't found that usually happen though. Anyway, there's usually- like Most people don't thing. usually buy items. That's the thing. But if you are, if there's only one item, mm-hmm. right? So, th- so if there's like four items, right? And yep. so one guy decides to buy this item and then you're like, oh, I don't, I want to stop you. And then you, let's say you put on a higher price and they're like, okay, fine. You take it. I'm going to take the second item. That's, that's on discount. But if only one item is discounted, then if one person decides I'm going to buy this item, then everyone else is going to be like, no, I'm going to stop you. Then they will be forced to bid on that one item, or they can just buy another item, or they can let that player get that discount. I think one item is better. It forces conflict. Well, we can think about what mechanisms there are in drafting games. Mm-hmm. in well not drafting games in deck building card games and see about how those could be implemented into Frostgrave possibly because like yeah items. Usually, there's, usually it's whoever shows up like whoever's turn it is in mm-hmm. a in a deck building card game has the first mm-hmm. crack at buying it 
So, so the issue with, with that, where it doesn't relate, is that in Frostgrave, there is no, um, you don't have to buy it, right? Um, you don't have to buy these items, mm-hmm. um, but in card games, you have to buy I- cards or cards because that's the entire way of making your deck, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't. It's not a one-to-one translation, which is why you can't have the exact same mechanics. You can't just draft them over because you're going to have a different problem, right? Yep. Because well, if, if everything gets a discount, then technically you're only ever going to want to buy if you get that discount because that's the advantage that you have, right? You're not actually forcing people to buy. They're just going to only want to buy it if they can get a discount. Yeah, so maybe if maybe if there's like different power levels between the warband rankings that things oh. can be created like that. There's, there's yeah. all sorts of mechanisms that can be built in to sort of introduce those mechanics that card games have. Yeah. Kind of I think just making one card, what the first item being having a 25% discount and forcing people to bid on it would be interesting. Oh, the first one. Because it literally try. creates only one card that people have to fight over, just like the middle treasure, right? Mm-hmm. And now you can let whoever buys it just get that 25% discount. Or you can oppose them. So hopefully we have lots of Frostgrave players, but it's typically the magic weapons that are highly bid over because uh-huh. they're they're usable by everybody. It's basically a piece, piece of gear anyone can, most people can take to replace uh-huh. their existing gear at a better better quality. So I think maybe if you always declared one of those appears and then you roll to see what it is, and then that appears at a discount, and everybody, or maybe no discount because it's usually something that always gets purchased. People don't, we haven't purchased, it depends on how many games, right? Yeah, after a while, once you have a fair amount of gold, you start wanting. And also in the new edition of Frostgrave, there's more of a restriction on how many like top top tier versus like basic tier crew you can have. Mm. So you're no yeah, longer trying true. to just make everyone upper tier. Yeah, you don't need 800 gold to fully complete your your 100 gold army, like 100 gold person army, right? Yeah, because before, like... As we said before, card games usually have a limit on the number of one thing that you can take. Whereas mm-hmm. Frostgrave, unlike many miniature games, didn't put a limit in their first edition of how many of one thing you could take of one type of soldier. Mm-hmm. So people could just build abusive lists. But in friendly games, you would just not do that for the most yeah. part, other than yeah. some people. But <laughs> but those people, at least in our Frostgrave group, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have... like The people that needed to build that were not we didn't play and have a group where, where there was just some guy who's wrecking phase. Right. So it was fine. And especially we played multiplayer. So um, it was self-balancing. So if someone had an Uber army, it became a two on one. The guys would be dead very shortly and they would have to start yes. rolling for the fact that they might be dead. After. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have eight Rangers. Well, we, me and, and Brandon together also have 10 Rangers. And an extra whatever guys. And and we're gonna shoot your rangers first before we shoot each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're gonna so, start rolling to see if they're all dead after the game. <laughs> you yeah. Know. yeah, exactly. So um I do like yeah, I love Frostgrave. I I'm really kind of missing playing, honestly. All, missing playing all these games, obviously. As but basically going back to the premise that I think the more narrative and sort of miniature games with RPG elements can mm-hmm. think about having elements of like deck building card games and they'd be really fun but regularly yeah, definitely. not so much i think regularly you you can i think the way that we talked about it so you could have missions with our game like like literally 
you could have you bring a base set and then you have just a deck of with with the names of the abilities on them and you have let's say draw five or four and you pick one pass it on and you try to build you just do it one one time right because you don't we only have six models and then you play a couple games yeah no, it could be a model like in a in the campaign version of ours where mm -hmm. just like you might go when like there's random things that are drawn at the market you can purchase Mm -hmm. you might just have like random people you can ask to join your warband. Like if you, you can't just build whoever you want, possibly you build your starting warband, but maybe the new people that become available to you are based around a deck. And if you want to replace someone, you have to That's start true. on their services. Yep. Like it's, or maybe like, even oh. when you try to level up a guy, uh, every round you can, you roll up, I don't know, a certain number of stats. You have to choose like you roll D six and that stability you can learn. And if you don't want to learn the ability, you have to wait the next game. Yeah. Cause we don't want, or maybe you don't, right. Yeah. So we're going. Yeah. The question is, do you want the game to be built around min max? And I don't, I don't know if you necessarily do. Okay. Maybe, maybe like literally when you level up a guy to give them abilities, you roll three times and you choose one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I think it's fine to have the starting abilities because the goal is you bring the miniatures you like and then you give them like, or you have a theme behind the army because we have certain, mm -hmm. we do have factions. Yeah. So you come with like a look for the army and the mentors you like, and then give them abilities that you think fit. And there's pieces you think fit well together as a good war band, but mm -hmm. possibly just like from that point, you don't. It's a, little bit more, it's a little bit more random. You can't choose specifically the powers that, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, and it cuts down, the idea is to cut down the amount of time by just like removing analysis paralysis that whenever in lots of games, there's the whole issue of analysis paralysis. And mm -hmm. often if the game gives you restricted choices, it stops all that wasted time. And it can often be fluffier that you're not just basing around theory crafting a game. Yeah. I see like the idea of there being like say, six abilities, you roll two, two dice, and you just choose one of the two, and then you're good. Mm -hmm. And if you already have that ability, maybe you get to choose which one you have. So it's, it's, or maybe you just shoot the one on the next number. It just or you just one roll, up. or yeah, you add one more. Yeah. You go down yep. the list. Mm -hmm. yep. well, interesting thoughts about that. All right. So, any uh, last things about? Uh, I think we talked a lot about just the mechanics, the kind of uh, whatever. The we touched on how it, uh, the changing miniatures uh, kind of keeps you interested. Uh, I think the the one last thing that we haven't really dug into, uh, which is I think a good way to to round out the conversation, is uh, your personal experiences about deck building or um, miniature building. How do you go about um, doing it? What is your enjoyment? What do you think about it relative to you know the other portions of the hobby? Oh, so back when we did play collectible card games, which was only magic for me. Our mm -hmm. budgets were more limited, which in the same mm -hmm. way, the miniature gaming budget was more limited. So I can't personally compare quite as well because now mm -hmm. our miniature gaming budget is just, you know, whatever. If you can paint it, you can buy it. That's what I've declared. Yeah. Whereas with card games, like even people with real jobs still have a limit to what they can craft for expensive There, there are cards. certain cards that are like $500 and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think I can quite compare my experience. But I think- How about miniature- like list building with list building i often don't want to go as crazy i'll try and build like 
So with Infinity, Infinity is nice and small. So I will, for my main armies, just buy everything to build like whatever I want, okay. which is insane. <laughs> I will just buy uh -huh. that miniatures. Because uh -huh. I think in card games, card games have more options. So I probably wouldn't be doing that. I concentrate. You would buy every single card, a full set of three yeah. of every single card, yeah. even the $500 ones. Yes, yeah, so that, that wouldn't be happening. Okay. <laughs> so that's, I think that would differ in how I do things. Uh huh. But how about the enjoyment that you get out of it? Do you feel like, um, do you specifically spend a lot of time, let's say on, on, on the public transit or, or when do you list build and how much fun do you have? Do you, do you gain a lot of, do you spend a lot of time just sitting there thinking about it in the shower or walking down the street or something like that, thinking about the best list build, list you can build? I'm kind of revealing what I do. So that... <laughs> Yeah, usually like I take the subway to the game store, and I would usually spend most of that time just building lists. Yeah, on on your the army builder being like, oh, I wonder, and then you can immediately kind of use it, which is I guess why you have all the miniatures laid out. So on the way to the store, you're like, hmm, which ones should I use today? Everything yeah. I've like, sixty yeah. models in this case for a skirmish game. <laughs> Do you, you only use like ten or fifteen per per game? Mm -hmm. Do you um, know that some things aren't quite as good, so you don't buy as many of them as possible? But but there, how? Yep. Like it's pretty obvious in miniature games. Usually, if something sort of underpowered compared to another thing that does a similar thing, so mm -hmm. until they rebalance, you kind of just have a whole bunch of the one thing that clearly does that role better. Uh huh. Yeah. It's not like do card you, games. Cards are usually a bit you, more different in their abilities, whereas miniatures usually have a bit more overlap. I would say. With yeah, there's abilities. not that many in. Well, they try not to in card games to print the same unit, but better. <laughs> they try not to do that in miniature games too, but sometimes they just fail. Um, so do you find, like, do you choose a bunch of units first that you really, really enjoy or? So with building, list building for army games, because I can speak more to that, mm -hmm. I'll usually try and pick more like a focal piece for the army. Like it's going to be the heavy hitter or it's gonna try and be like the best defensive like piece mm -hmm. and then craft around like it being able to pull off its function best. Like it might combo with something else really well. Mm -hmm. Like maybe something else lets it move faster thinking of War Machine. So like it pulls off its role better. Maybe something can heal it in infinity. Like it's something really super tough and you're like, yep, okay. It's gonna do its role, it's gonna fall down. Okay, maybe it's gonna fall down up the board. So I have an infiltrating doctor to bring it back or if it's gonna be a defensive piece back on my side, doctor brings it back up there. So basically pieces that start allowing it to perform its role to a better level and then just kind of rounding out the list to say you've got missions in war games usually. Okay. So whatever will help accomplish the mission after this thing's really shined. So when you choose that one model to build a list around, how do you choose that model? Is it just interest or is it just like the coolest model in your case or the newly painted one? So it can All be something that's yeah. really badass or is possibly just overpowered. It could be either of the two or just a piece I think will play really well to the mission. Okay. All right. So for for me, I think, I, I think for card games, almost always because of the way that the game uh, is set up, you almost always build like, card games are about synergies right you're trying to build the stack and, and, and make it work so all, almost always you do build um 
you choose the archetype that you want to do and then you build around that. So for me personally, I think I'm a I'm a lot more about the the Merfolk guy. Like literally that was when we played Bench of the Gathering, my deck. And I was like, yeah, it's not as powerful, but it's certainly more fun. So um I currently am still that type of player. I'll be like, yeah, I've, oh with your miniature lists, you'll be like, all these yeah. guys have like this style of armor, like they're all in the list. Yep, basically I'll, I want to have this concept of like how it looks. It's, it's mostly around how it looks. And then I try to, as hard as I can to make it work. Whenever I, I choose make an army, like I do sometimes build armies just to be strong. But whenever I do that, I just never enjoy the game as much. I feel a little bit dirty because I'm a little bit of a hipster. And the idea of winning based, like if I take the strongest thing in the meta, I'm like, ugh, this feels dirty. I just won because this unit is overpowered or in card games. Oh, this this specific combo is just broken, right? There's like in Legends of Runeterra right now, um, there are certain heroes, right? Because it's like an online game that they kind of do the thing where they sometimes push the cards. So they're a little bit too pushed, which means they're too powerful. And the idea is that in a couple of months, they'll just tone it down if, no, if it ends up being breaking the game. But whenever I, a new or a new champion or whatever a card comes out that is kind of broken. Even if I like the character, right? The design, the look, and in Rusty Rutera, there's even voice. So you kind of can fall in love with a, a card just because of the theme, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if it's too power overpowered and good at making a good deck, I just I just can't do it. I just feel I feel like, first of all, everyone else is going to be playing that same thing and I need to be my own special snowflake. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is then I feel like it's the cards that end up winning, right? I don't feel any ownership over the, the thing. And oftentimes if they're too powerful, they kind of play themselves. Mm-hmm. So, however, if I play a crappy deck that I just love the look of, and I love the characters, I obviously still want it to be good enough to win. Right. And obviously you're going to have to make, you can't just put in everything that looks cool because generally those decks suck, right? You got to put in some real power or for miniatures, right? Like can't, you can't just choose all the guys with, you know, the, the same kind of badge or on their, on their, 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 um, their arm, right? You have to choose some meta stuff, but I try to keep it as much as possible so that when I think, think of the army, right. Or, or the deck, I feel like it has a theme. It's on brand. It's like, the idea is I always want to play an army that if it was bundled together and sold to someone, it would feel cohesive and right. Yep. So with miniatures, I do want that. But with the latest army I built, because I mean, I have enough armies already that I wasn't in a rush to do it. I just went really deep into the converting and proxying and just converting the proxies to get the look that I wanted. Mm. So, so, so with miniatures, you have a, an easy way to do it. It's true. You can often just theme it by conversion. That's right. But then the fluff won't necessarily match. Or maybe you just change the fluff. You write headcanon in your head. Yeah, these guys, they're actually just all buddies from high school. They all got together and for some reason all got drafted in the same army and then ended up in the same unit. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yep. All right. Um, so that's basically uh, how we, I guess, build decks um, and uh, armies. Um, hopefully... Uh, the kind of ideas has, has kind of uh, made you think about, you know, what you're getting out of the game. And maybe you can, you can uh, tr- if, you're, if you're a card game player, try out miniature games. If you're a miniature game 
gamer, stick with miniature games. Yeah, there's lots to learn. And you'll, you'll still get the joy of uh, deck building, uh, but army building. Yeah. So um, anything else you want to add? No, I think we've gone around around the topic pretty well. All right. Uh, if you have uh, any thoughts about our army building or uh, card deck building, uh, give us a shout. We'd love to hear uh, what you have to say. Um, if you just have like a favorite Mimi deck or something like that, sure, we'll, we'll listen to it. New card games, tell us. Apparently I'm stuck at home. I'll play anything right now. Uh, yeah, so uh, you can find us on um, Facebook at uh, Dice Over Everything group. Mm-hmm. or at diceovereverything.com uh, and you can email us at uh, contact at diceovereverything.com um, yeah we'd love to hear from you bye bye